Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When a beautiful young woman vanishes into thin air... The house was not disrupted in any way, shape, or form. That was very troubling. An entire New England state is on edge. You don't expect people on a fun night out in Portland to go missing and to never be heard from again. With no body and no evidence of a crime, it's tough to know what happened. I knew right then that it was not good. But when a shocking discovery proves murder... We knew that there was a killer on the loose, and we still had a lot of work to do. Detectives zero in on an admirer with a lot of explaining to do. He certainly had a lot of red flags. That was just more fuel to the fire. How well do you know your neighbors? What lies behind the white picket fences? Perched on the sprawling peninsula in Maine's Casco Bay, Portland is a picturesque town where cityscapes and rocky coastlines collide. Where rusty fishing schooners mingle with private yachts, it's the perfect combination of the modern day and the charms of yesteryear. Portland is just a fun place to live, it's a fun place to visit, and a great place to raise a family. Anything that happens in Maine kind of starts in Portland. And with something to offer all walks of life, Portland's culture is as rich as the lobsters are fat. It's a great little city, great restaurants, art museums, theater. People tend to be friendly, down-to-earth. And one of those down-to-earth folks is 25-year-old Amy St. Laurent. And few know her better than her own mother and closest confidant, Diane Jenkins. Amy and I had reached that level of where she felt comfortable calling and asking for advice. And we started doing some things that were more on a friend level. But one thing Amy isn't asking for advice about is her future. 
After high school, this Portland girl is determined to spread her wings. She was extremely smart, and I think maybe a little bored with school. And that was in part hard to get her to try to do the college thing. And she wanted to do that year off just to see what it was like. But that one year off of school eventually turns into several. When she lands herself a cushy gig as an administrative assistant at an aeronautical engineering company in nearby South Berwick. She was responsible for planning meetings, taking care of anything that her boss might have needed and she just kind of took off. She took pride in the work she did. With a promising new job and an eye on success, things are looking up for Amy. Until one night in October 2001, when she goes out on the town to let off a little steam and simply vanishes into thin air. Just a hop, skip, and a jump away from the busy streets of Portland is the sleepy suburb of South Berwick. And police chief Dana LaJoy has got his finger on the pulse of the goings-on around here. I take people in that come in, just want to chat. Community members that have issues, concerns, and problems, we'll sit and chat. And on the Monday morning of October 22, 2001, there's one South Berwick resident that no one has heard a peep from for nearly two days. 25-year-old Amy St. Laurent. We received a call from Mr. St. Laurent that he was suspicious of uh, not hearing from his daughter for the past couple days. She hadn't been heard from for the weekend and hadn't reported to work on Monday morning. When Amy's father learned that his usually reliable daughter skipped work, he dropped by Amy's apartment to check on her. And what he found prompted a swift call to the local PD. We found that her coat was on the hood of a car. The keys were on her attire and a very suspicious note placed on the door. It was scrolled in black pen or marker and from a very angry person. With language colorful enough to make a poker player blush, the note more or less asks, where did you go? And when officers enter the apartment, things get even more suspect. Found a purse and cell phone on the kitchen table. Her apartment was clean and orderly. It was suspicious that her personal items were there and no other items out of place whatsoever. It was very troubling. Troubling indeed. However, not quite troubling enough to initiate a formal investigation. Since Amy is an adult, police can't file a missing persons report until she's been unaccounted for for at least 24 hours. And for Amy's mom, Diane, that's just not good enough. My first thought was this is just not her. And then my thought immediately went to the person that she had visiting. And the person Amy had visiting is 27-year-old Jason Brackman. Amy met Jason through a mutual friend just three weeks ago during a trip to Florida, and the sparks started flying from the get-go. She told me that she had met a young man, and they sort of hit it off. She thought he was a nice enough guy, but wasn't really interested in a relationship. So when Jason asked Amy if he could come stay with her in Maine a few weeks later, she was more than a little hesitant. I questioned her about whether or not 
She knew him well enough, and she was feeling a little bit uncomfortable about it. But despite her gut instincts, Amy had relented, and Jason made the trip up from Fort Myers to Portland. And after a day of sightseeing, the two decided to let loose with a few drinks in Portland's lively, bar-filled area of Oldport. Amy called me that Saturday night and asked if I wanted to meet them in town for a drink. It was already after 10 o'clock. I was ready for bed, so I didn't go. And no one has heard from Amy since. We called anybody that we thought might know where she was, and nobody had seen her. Everybody's mind went there first, that Jason was the reason why. The whole scenario has Diane uneasy, so she reaches out to a friend at the local sheriff's office, who decides the best place to start looking is downtown Portland, Amy's last known whereabouts. And when it comes to crime in Portland, he knows just the man to call. Detective Danny Young has been on the beat for 31 years. And if there's one thing he knows, it's when something smells fishy. I am what they call a gumshoe detective. I don't want to sit behind the desk. I love to unravel the puzzle and put it together and hopefully come to a successful conclusion. Well, he's got one heck of a jigsaw on his hands when the pieces of the St. Laurent case just aren't falling into place. A reasonable person would think that there's something wrong because she doesn't just come up, fall off the face of the earth. And the first person Detective Young wants to talk to is the last person with Amy, her weekend visitor, Jason Brackman. And police learn from Amy's neighbor that Jason's trip had gone sour fast. When Jason first arrived, Amy and Jason had a confrontation in the driveway of the South Berwick home. She made it very clear right off the bat that there was going to be no relationship. Maybe Brackman passed the time during his 1,600-mile trip from Florida to Maine, building up his expectations. And it took Amy just one day to crush his hopes. And that might have been enough to send any guy over the edge. He wanted more than just being a friend, so he was clearly angry about that. With a ticked-off out-of-towner on the top of the suspect list, detectives have to move fast to grab this guy before he skips town. But what this Florida boy has to say will have police scratching their heads. He was with Amy for just a little over 24 hours when she became missing, and he has no explanation other than say, I just lost her. And the more this guy runs his mouth, the more investigators believe they've got a killer in their sights. Everything he told us was very suspicious. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. The last few days of October in Portland, Maine, are often the final days for residents to soak up some sunshine before the long, dreary winter sets in. But this year people are hiding out behind locked doors because somewhere in that thin autumn air, 25-year-old Amy St. Laurent has simply vanished. That kind of thing doesn't happen in Portland, Maine. This is such a safe place to live. To have something like this happen was absolutely shocking. What's even more shocking for Lucille Holt-Sautery is that the girl that's gone missing is the daughter of her best friend, Diane Jenkins. Having known Amy since she was a teenager, Lucille is certain that something just isn't right. Amy was just not the type of girl to not tell anyone, check in, or say, I'm going away. But when Lucille learns the details of Amy's mysterious disappearance, she's quick to draw her own conclusions. Jason was the last person to be with Amy, and we felt that he had absolutely everything to do with her disappearance. And she's not the only one who feels that way. Portland's lead investigator, Detective Danny Young, has got Amy's weekend visitor, Jason Brackman, on his radar as well. Jason was last known to be with Amy in the old port. We want to know more about who he was and what kind of person he was. However, with little to go on, Police can't say for sure if Amy went missing from downtown Portland or her residence in South Berwick, 40 miles away. 
with an area that large to cover and an out-of-state visitor to track down, they decide it's time to call in some reinforcements. And the man hand-picked to double-team this missing persons case with Young is Maine State Police Detective Scott Heracles. Nearly 20 years behind Danny Young's experience, Heracles has a lot to live up to. I think being a young detective certainly has a lot of draws to it in that you're not burnt out, you're still very passionate about what you do. With only three years as a detective under his belt, he may be green, but he's chomping at the bit to get a piece of the action. And he'll soon get his chance. Detective's first task at hand, find Jason Brackman. When they learn that his rental car is equipped with OnStar, they're quickly able to pinpoint the vehicle's location outside a bar in the old port. With their eyes glued on the SUV, police sit and they wait. Before long, Brackman stumbles out of the bar toward the car. We introduced ourselves at the vehicle, explained to him why we were there, and asked him if he would cooperate and come to the police station and speak with us, and he readily said he would. Down at the station, police tell Brackman they're looking for Amy. And according to him, he's hungry for some answers as well. He claims he hasn't heard from Amy since their night out in Old Port. Jason spent the day sightseeing with Amy, then went with her to grab a drink that night. But what he says went down after that is one wicked, crazy story. He and Amy had arrived at the Old Port, had gone to a pool hall. And at the pool hall, she actually started to play pool with two other gentlemen. Afterwards, Jason claims he and Amy went to a nearby dance club. But while Amy was looking to socialize, Jason sat back and got cozy with the bottom of his beer bottle. Jason said he doesn't dance, but the two gentlemen that Amy and he had met at the pool hall were at the dance club, and she began dancing with them. At some point, they became separated. Jason said he had gone to the bathroom, and when he came out of the bathroom, she was gone. With no sign of Amy, Jason tells police he thought she might be waiting for him at the car. That's when he realized he'd been ditched. He went back to his vehicle. Amy's pocketbook and coat was still there. She had not returned to the vehicle either. He left thinking that maybe she got another ride home or would come home later. Stranded in a strange new city, Brackman tells police he pointed his car south and followed his in-dash compass towards Amy's apartment. After a quick stop for gas, Brackman continued onto the interstate. But when he reached the toll booth, he ran into a bit of a problem. He doesn't have the exact change that he needs, but begs his way onto the turnpike, and the toll taker has mercy on him and allows him on. For investigators, Brackman's story has more kinks in it than a crab pot after a nor'easter. But his tale is about to get even stranger. Jason returned to Amy's house, and not finding her there, slept in his vehicle that night did not enter the house. He said he felt uncomfortable going into the house without her there. It's an odd reaction, considering he already crashed at Amy's the night before. Why would you not want to put yourself back in that residence? And we certainly had concerns that something had happened inside the residence and he wanted to separate himself from it. Jason tells police that come sunrise, Amy was still nowhere to be found. So despite his discomfort, he let himself into the apartment and took a shower. Jason placed the purse and cell phone Amy left behind in the car on her kitchen table, along with a nasty note on her front door. 
He left her a note that was kind of along the lines of, you know, where were you or what happened to you? Seemed like he was not happy about um, the night's activities. It certainly lines up with the evidence found by South Berwick police, but Brackman's story is one hell of a tale, with too many specifics for detectives to keep track of. It's really hard to believe that you could go out with a girl and just lose her. There were a lot of red flags in his story. The good thing about Jason's detailed alibi is that he's given police plenty of ammo to blow holes straight through it. Unfortunately, it looks like they might be firing blanks when Brackman's story actually starts lining up. Jason told us he left the airport area, stopped in South Pole and, and got gasoline. There was surveillance videotape from the gas station. We did in fact see that he was there and that he was there alone in his vehicle. And things are looking grim when the toll booth operator backs up Brackman's story about sweet-talking his way onto the turnpike. In following up on Jason's interview, everything he told us was being corroborated, right down to the video at the gas station, to what he told the toll taker, to being at Amy's house that morning. With their prime suspect a likely dead end, police ask Brackman for a DNA sample, just to be on the safe side, and send him on his way. It became very obvious to us that as hard to believe as Jason's alibi was, that slowly but surely everything was true. It seems things in this case are getting hazier than a New England fog. With no crime scene, no evidence, and no eyewitnesses, police don't even know what they're dealing with. But one thing's for sure, there hasn't been a single sign of Amy for days. We checked Amy's cell phone records. There was no use of her debit cards or account information. Despite holding out hope, detectives are beginning to fear the worst. At first, we worked on the assumption that she was possibly still alive, or at least being kept against her will somewheres. But after just a few days, I said, this is a homicide. We have to find her. Well, they're about to get some much-needed answers when an eyewitness comes forward with some chilling insight into Amy's last hours. Now we have the people who were with her for the last time. So at this point, Nothing else matters. The bar scene in the old port section of Portland is known to leave visitors a little bleary-eyed. But once the haze of the weekend wears off, everyone is on full alert. When Amy St. Laurent is still missing after three days. People were surprised because you don't expect people on a fun night out in Portland to go missing and to never be heard from again. And WGME 13 reporter Doug Ray would know. He's been covering the crime beat in Portland for the past 13 years. And one thing's for sure, the St. Laurent case has all the makings of a media circus. Their family knew something really bad had happened and it didn't take long for the media and certainly the police to realize that something had happened to her and we need to find her. Close family friend Lucille Holt Sautery has been by Amy's mom Diane's side since day one of the investigation. I took it as a personal mission because my friend was basically incapacitated as a mother. All I wanted to do was help find Amy and bring her home safely. While police sift through suspects, 
Lucille decides to take the bull by the horns and gets to work, asking the community to put all eyes and all ears to the ground. We made up flyers and we put them all over Portland. They were on every light pole, every telephone post. It was amazing. You could not walk anywhere and not see Amy's face. We were hoping that somebody would recognize the picture and call. We were just grasping, looking for something. With their home phone number on flyers all over the city, Diane and Lucille have been fielding calls for days. And before long, they get a promising tip. When I picked up the phone, it was a gentleman on the other end, and he said that he had information about Amy and that he had seen her on Saturday night. At this point, any lead is a good lead. So Lucille takes the caller's information and instructs him to contact the Portland PD. And down at the station, this mystery caller has a story that sounds strangely familiar to detectives. He had met Amy at a pool hall, and the two had played pool together and had struck up a friendship, and had talked about potentially meeting later on in the evening at the dance club. That did, in fact, happen. It seems 21-year-old Jeffrey Russ Gorman was the one who had wooed Amy away from her date, Jason Brackman, the night she disappeared. When the dance club closed, Amy had lost Jason, didn't know where he was, and now had no way home. Or at least that's what she thought. Russ goes on to tell investigators that he invited Amy back to his place for an after party. With no ride, no phone, and no purse, Amy agreed. But her partying mood soon faded. The party did not develop. And Amy had asked to be brought back to the nightclub. Bye. Russ Gorman told us that he brought her back to the club, hoping to find Jason, and then return 15 minutes later to his house. But investigators already know Jason was long gone, hoping to find Amy at her apartment. So that leaves Gorman at the top of the suspect list. The most important person for me was who was the last person with Amy St. Laurent. And based on what he was saying, it was Russ Gorman. Their suspicions grow even more when they learn that Russ is no sissy boy when it comes to the law. We found that he was actually on probation at the time this occurred in Maine and that he had a series of theft complaints and I believe an assault complaint also. It's not looking too good for Gorman, especially when police ask to look inside his car. And he says, no way. He certainly was willing to come in and talk However, some of the harder things that he was asked to do, he became very resistant. So investigators step it up and get a search warrant for Gorman's car. But when the vehicle turns up squeaky clean, Detective Young thinks he knows why. Friends had told us that his car was always a mess and that shortly after speaking to me, he went and he detailed his car, which was unusual for him. It's certainly suspicious, but unfortunately for investigators, it proves nothing. In addition, Gorman did come to police on his own accord, and both of his roommates back up his story, telling police that Gorman returned home from dropping off Amy within just 15 minutes. 15 minutes would not be enough time to do any harm to Amy and dispose of her body and then return just wouldn't have been enough time. With nothing to tie Russ to foul play, it's tough to make a case against him. Besides, there's one more person that police have yet to look into, 
someone with plenty of reason to harm Amy. Her longtime beau and ex-fiance, Derek Hastings. Despite the bitter ending, Amy's mom, Diane, remembers the sweet and the sour of the young romance. Amy and Derek were young and very much in love. But people change and grow, and sometimes they just don't grow together. To investigators, a scorned lover equals motive. Perhaps seeing Amy with another man that weekend was enough to send Hastings over the edge. Jason told us that Derek had stayed that first night at Amy's apartment when Jason arrived from Florida. We didn't know what had transpired there exactly. We didn't know if he was angry about that. It's certainly likely, but Hastings tells police that he hasn't seen Amy since that Friday night when he crashed on her couch. Derek had told us that he was at home with his roommates in New Hampshire on that Saturday night. Then Amy disappeared. Well, investigators can't just take his word for it. But when they question Derek's roommates, they're quick to vouch for his alibi, telling police that Hastings was home all evening, over 60 miles away from Portland the night Amy disappeared, leaving detectives to chalk up the lead as a loss. We were able to establish that he was indeed home during that time period. We were able to clear him in our minds. But the question remains, where is Amy? I knew I didn't want to live just totally in the dark. I didn't want to spend the rest of my life wondering, because it's hell. It's pure hell. And investigators don't want to be left wondering either. If one thing's for sure, finding Amy means finding answers. It is really important that you find the body as soon as possible, because as time goes by, evidence is destroyed. So really, time is of the essence at that point. With the hourglass about to run out, investigators shift gears. And what they're about to discover will send this case full speed ahead. Seven weeks after the disappearance of Amy St. Laurent, the people of Portland, Maine are chattering like seagulls about the girl on the missing posters family friend, Lucille Holt-Sautery, has been getting the word out from day one, and the public's embrace of Amy's story has not gone unnoticed. We had an incredible outreach from the community. It was absolutely amazing how many people wanted to help us find Amy. And detectives Scott Heracles and Danny Young are working harder than anyone to do just that. Amy's mother, Diane, can't help but see that they've begun to take her daughter's case personally. I'm not sure what it was about Amy that captured them or their hearts, because I really do believe it went beyond a job. And it hits a little closer to home for some more than others. I know Danny had a daughter the same age, so I'm sure that was in his mind. Not only is Danny's daughter the same age as Amy St. Laurent, but they share the same name as well. Hearing her name each day of the investigation is enough to make any detective get a little attached. I looked at it and said, if that was my daughter Amy, I would want to know. And it's what's in you as a detective. You want to um, do your very best to find out for the family what happened. And there's no way of knowing exactly what happened 
until detectives find what they really need, Amy. As each day went by, we knew that evidence would be destroyed. Um, so it became really crucial that we found Amy as soon as we could. So when the main warden service comes calling, it's a welcome relief. With keen eyes for broken branches and disturbed ground, the warden service offers Portland PD some help and expertise they could desperately use. We gave them all the information that we had on the case, who Amy had been with, where she was last seen at, and based on that, they developed 19 search patterns that we could search. It's an organized effort that has detectives optimistic for the first time in weeks. Watching the main warden service and what they were doing and how they were doing things, I was amazed. So I said, we gotta give this a chance. I think this might work. So at 6.30 a.m. on December 8th, 2001, seven weeks after Amy vanished, an army of searchers head out into the cold to find a needle in a haystack. Finally, nearly eight hours later, a promising call comes in from one of the search areas. A warden service canine had hit on a location. They were describing it as a freshly dug grave. So Danny and I got in the car and we couldn't get there fast enough. In the woods, just off an abandoned tote road, the detectives see the area in question suspiciously sprinkled with pine needles. We really still didn't know exactly what we had and only Danny Young could do what, what Danny Young did next. Danny kneels down and with a small trowel digs just a few inches into the unsettled ground. While I was digging down, I could see a fabric and felt the fabric. It's a very small hole and I pulled on it and I saw that it was a gray sweatshirt. And I knew that Amy that night was wearing a gray sweatshirt. And that's when I said, it's her, we have her here. The discovery is an overwhelming and long-awaited victory for detectives. For that evening, we were floating. Just amazing, and we were on cloud nine. I was ecstatic. I wanted to get the family answers, and I, I realized we may be having these answers very soon. We may be bringing her home for Christmas. While Amy may be home for the holidays, there's no celebration to be had for her family and friends. It was a lot of emotions all at the same time. It was closure. It was relief. It was profound sadness. It was a lot all at once. Well, it's about to get even worse. When police examine the body at the scene, it's clear Amy suffered violent injuries before her death. Once we excavated Amy's body, you could see that she was killed with that single gunshot wound to the head. But we never found the remnants of the bullet as that passed through her head. We never found any evidence that anything else had occurred there. Whether this is a crime scene or merely a dump site, one thing is for sure. The location has police zeroing in on one person, a suspect that's all too familiar. We found Amy's body was just about uh, a few hundred yards behind Russ Gorman's mother's house, near a pond where he was known to go fishing. The last known person to see Amy alive, 21-year-old Jeffrey Russ Gorman, has always been a big, bright blip on detectives' radar. The convenient and isolated location of Amy's burial site has them convinced that their favorite suspect has just become their prime suspect. We knew that this eliminated anyone else. No one knew this area well enough to actually bury a body here. It really limited things to Russ. But there's one small problem. 
Just because Amy was found near Gorman's family home doesn't prove much of anything. What police need is some hard evidence, and they're hoping an autopsy will give them just that. Her shirt was pulled up and her underwear was down around her ankles. It looked like there'd been a sexual assault. So one thing we were hoping for was to have some DNA evidence from her body. Unfortunately, the autopsy doesn't reveal a single trace of DNA. But something it does reveal is that Amy put up one hell of a fight. It's my opinion that a sexual assault was attempted but never actually carried out. When you look at the injuries, Amy was hit in the face. So she obviously wasn't complying. And, you know, ultimately, I think he shot her out of frustration and rage. He wasn't able to have his way with her. While detectives Young and Heracles feel they know who killed her, proving it is a whole other issue. Until they get some encouraging news. Early in the investigation, Detective Young had run a routine search on Gorman in the National Crime Information Computer. And he's finally got the results. Results that blow the lid off Russ Gorman's alibi. Russ said he brought Amy back to the nightclub, dropped her off, and then left and went right back to his apartment. About 15 minutes later, around 2 o'clock. Too bad for Russ. The search results show that the night of Amy's disappearance, he'd been pulled over by police for a headlight violation at 3.14 in the morning. We knew at that point he wasn't back to that house in 15 or 20 minutes. He was still out two hours later. With Gorman's alibi busted wide open, it's time to bring the pretty boy in. Only he's long gone. Shortly before Amy's body had been found, Gorman left Portland, Maine for his hometown of Troy, Alabama. And with no way to legally hold him, detectives' hands are tied. We couldn't stop him. There's really nothing we could do but kind of sit by and, and let him go. Well, they may just need to let him go for good. When an unexpected confession has police curious, is Russ Gorman simply a patsy in a much more sinister plot? There was a killer out there. There's still a killer on the loose, and we still had a lot of work to do. All across Portland, missing posters are being taken down one by one. And tears can finally be shed for Amy St. Laurent. With her body laid to rest, residents are free to mourn the loss of the girl in the red dress. I think people were definitely sad when they found her body. I think, I think it was the outcome everyone had feared all along. While the hurdle of finding Amy has finally been jumped, the hard part is just beginning. With detectives' prime suspect, Jeffrey Russ Gorman, nearly 10 states away in Troy, Alabama, and no evidence to make an arrest, police are hoping for a slip-up. We felt this possibility that he would talk to people down there about what happened, thinking that we would never go down and ask. Well, too bad for Russ. The long arm of the law reaches a lot farther than the Pine Tree State. Police soon hear from someone particularly close to Mr. Gorman. But what she has to say is not what detectives are expecting. Russ Gorman's girlfriend came forward and told us that Gorman had told her that his roommates had killed Amy St. Laurent, had placed her in the basement of their apartment, and that later took her away in the back bed of their pickup truck. If his roommates are in fact responsible, 
it could explain why police haven't found a shred of physical evidence against Gorman. After all, police now know Russ was gone for nearly two hours after leaving with Amy, not 15 minutes like he claimed. So why did his roommates back up his story? Whatever they're hiding, detectives are going to find out about it. We had a consent to enter and went into the basement of the apartment building. We were able to search there. We also got a consent to take his pickup truck and to do a forensic analysis. But detectives find nothing to link Russ's roommates to Amy's murder. So how do they explain their lies about Gorman's alibi? We interviewed both of them again several times and both admitted that they'd been drinking and that maybe the time they had was actually maybe mistaken. The lifestyle that these guys were living was that of stay up late, you know, go to the old port till closing, come back, drink, watch TV, the next day do it all again. So one day is no different than the next day to them. Despite Gorman's failed efforts to place blame on his innocent roommates, his actions speak louder than his words. It's the first time that Gorman had told anybody that Amy St. Laurent was indeed dead, something he had never told us. Well, he's not done running his mouth just yet. When his mother, Tammy Westbrook, calls her son and starts demanding answers, Russ does the unexpected. He confesses to killing Amy. But what he doesn't expect is that his mom tells her friend, who in turn tells some eager ears at the Portland PD. I got a phone call from a woman who said she talked to Russ Gorman's mother and that Gorman had confessed to his mother that he killed Amy St. Laurent and had shot her in the head. It's the first and only time Gorman has fessed up to Amy's death. But for Detective Danny Young, the devil is in the details. And there is one detail in particular that catches his attention. Unless he did it, there's no way he would know that she was shot in the head. And at that time, the only people that knew that were myself and Scott and the medical examiners. With police hot on his trail, Gorman makes some drastic changes and decides it's time for a little makeover. Russ Gorman shaved his body, got tattoos, uh, changed his appearance greatly. If his intentions had been to hide out in Alabama, he's certainly done a piss-poor job of lying low, especially when he cracks under the pressure and has a confrontation outside a sandwich shop. After accusing a man of staring, Gorman pulls out a handgun. Things cool down eventually, but not before the man files charges. And before long, the Troy, Alabama police come knocking. When the police went to his residence to talk to him, he pulled two handguns and threatened to commit suicide, said that he'd rather kill himself than go to prison, and had kind of a quasi-police standoff. A five-hour standoff, to be exact. Police eventually talk him down and place him under arrest. With their suspect in custody in Alabama, Heracles and Young see an opportunity. A vulnerable Russ Gorman, hanging on by a thread, might just be their best hope of getting a confession. So they decide to make their way down south. The whole ride down, all we did was talk about strategy and how we'd approach this interview. You have to prepare for everything from a full confession to what are we going to do if he lies. So it was a lot of nervous energy, a lot of, you know, it's time to do this thing. 24 hours after leaving Maine, the detectives are in the interview room. With one last chance to come clean, Gorman only gives the same old story. The number one thing we could do 
is get him to still stand behind his alibi, because now we could prove it was a lie. When confronted with the traffic stop, his shifty roommates, and his confession to his mom, Russ Gorman shuts down and lawyers up. He's extradited back to Maine, and with his mother Tammy subpoenaed to testify and recount her son's confession, investigators hold their breath for an indictment. I will never forget that day. You really could have heard a pin drop. And it was incredibly sincere and emotional. And pivotal. Tammy's testimony helps bring charges against Jeffrey Russ Gorman for the murder of Amy St. Laurent. After a trial by jury, he is found guilty and sentenced to 60 years in prison. Having the verdict come back guilty was something that took a lot off my shoulders. And I know that he's there and he's going to be there for a long, long time. While the conviction brings much-needed closure to Amy's family, it can never fill the void of their loss. Your feeling is just numb. It doesn't bring your child back. You just have the peace of mind that he's not going to be able to do it to anyone else. Based on evidence collected by tireless investigators, as well as Gorman's own confession to his mother, police finally believe they know what happened that October night in 2001. Amy St. Laurent had gone to the old port and went to a pool hall. At that pool hall, she met Russ Gorman. A meeting that led to murder. Later on that night at the dance club, they were dancing together, and Russ invited her back to his residence for an after-hours party, and she agreed. But it didn't take long before Amy realized something wasn't right. She had asked to be taken back to the nightclub, so they were left alone in Russ's car to go back to the nightclub, but she never arrived there. I think that Russ planned all along to make a move on Amy, and I think Amy said absolutely not. And when Amy refused his advances, it wasn't what this playboy wanted to hear. I think a struggle ensued in the motor vehicle. This was his attempt to sexually assault her and her fighting back. And that's what led to her being shot at Point Blank Range. After burying Amy in a shallow grave, Jeffrey Russ Gorman weaved an intricate web of lies. A web that, thanks to the hard work of numerous law enforcement agencies, fell away like the rocky shores of Maine. Amy was a beautiful 25-year-old who I would be very proud to call my daughter. And I think she made one wrong decision and it cost her. It's a cautionary tale that is told in the book Finding Amy. And her memory lives on through a foundation started in her honor. The proceeds that we raise for the foundation go directly back into the community through self-defense courses to help young women to defend themselves in uncertain situations. For the people of Portland, it's hard to forget the girl in the red dress smiling at them from the missing posters and easy to remember the lessons that she taught them. I think it refocused people's attention to maybe not be so trusting and to know that there are bad people out there and you can't let your guard down no matter what. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.